We're celebrating communion today, so we'll have the sermon a little sooner. It is, like I said, the first Sunday of Advent, and so we're taking a break from John, and we're going to do an Advent series that I'm calling Yearning for God. Yearning for God. So this Sunday and the next three Sundays, we'll be exploring different things that we're yearning for and that that Christ has, has come with. And, and today I want to talk about yearning for the divine gaze. Yearning for the divine gaze. So look at 1 Corinthians thirteen twelve, just one verse. And let's read that together. Or follow along as I read. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part... But then I will know fully, just as I also have been fully known, the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Christ, I pray now that we would experience your gaze, that we would be caught up in your loving gaze in particular, and that that we would reciprocate it, that we would give it back to you, to one another, But Holy Spirit, you're going to have to enable us, give us the power to truly experience this. And so that's my prayer. No matter who we are, no matter where we come from, no matter why we're here even, I pray that we would all leave knowing and and feeling, experiencing the love of God for us. In Jesus' name, amen. So, excuse me. If... We are not mirrored well as children. We can really be messed up. And what, I'm, what I mean by being mirrored, we need someone to, to just make love tangible to us. And we probably all, or most of us maybe have, have discovered this, and maybe by the lack of it, uh, or, or maybe you've been mirrored well as a kid, but... And, of course, studies back this up, that, that a, a baby just needs to see the smiling face of, of their person, right? And to not receive that can really set that child up for, well, a hard life. We're designed to experience a smile. We are designed to experience this gaze, this loving gaze and so naturally, a child will look for it in their parents, and, and it really, the parent doesn't, the, the, the person, the guardian doesn't have to say anything, but just that smile can just set the child at ease, right? And the same is true for, for adults. We, we need, I mean, you, you pro, have you ever understood or felt the power of a smile in somebody, you know? Um, you can be going about your day and... Maybe, it's, maybe you're not having a good day. And all of a sudden, you, it could be comp- a complete stranger. And you catch the eyes of somebody who catches your eyes and just gives you a smile. Like, there's so much power in that. It can, it can totally change your day. I mean, I experience that often. Uh, I'll, and, and so I try to also think, wow, I have that same power. I, I can affect someone else's day that way, that way as well. Either positively or negatively. And again, the, re- the reverse is true. It, a, a frown or a scowl can really affect 
There's a lot of power with that too, negatively. It can affect someone's day to see a frown, to see someone, uh, an angry face or something like that. There's so much power in a gaze. I think we come into the world that, that way for a reason. When we receive the loving gaze of someone toward us, what's happening in that moment is we are being affirmed that we actually are a child of God. We are being affirmed, we're being reminded and confirmed that we really are an image bearer, made in the image of God. It's, and that's why it's so powerful. We're, we're actually, we're, we see a smile and it's being confirmed to us who we are. Here's the good news about Christmas, the incarnation. We need this to become embodied. We need this to be in flesh. That's what I'm saying. Uh, we, we, we come into the world this way, and so Christ comes as the very divine gaze of God in flesh. This is the main teaching today. Christ, as we're yearning for this divine gaze, Christ shows up and is the divine gaze that has come for us, that in fact has come to inhabit us. The loving divine gaze of God now inhabits us. So I want to look at two headings. I want to try to direct where we see this divine gaze, and in particular, where, like how we experience this divine gaze. First, we see it in others. We are meant to see it in others. That is the divine gaze of God. Secondly, we see it in ourselves. So I want to show us this. First, we see it in others. So this past Thursday, no, Wednesday. Was it Wednesday we were at Warren Wilson, Kim? I can't remember. Yeah. So this past week, one day. Uh, Kim was asked to speak at Warren Wilson. Chaplain Shannon Spencer had asked her to come speak and kind of share her story. And, and so I was privileged to be able to be Kim's ride to Warren Wilson. And Jane and I both actually went with Kim. And, and Kim was asked to uh, share her story. And so she, at one point, she's, she's going through the journey. She's taking us on her journey, the highs and the lows, and, and, and told her story beautifully. And she left, then when she was done, at one point she left it open to Q&A. And this, this one student, this Warren Wilson College student, asked an, a, an excellent question. So you see, Kim had talked about how when, when she was incarcerated at Raleigh, her whole world was this bunk, was this bed. And in, in Raleigh in particular, that's, that's the only safe place there. And so it becomes your whole world. And so Kim was talking about how she puts up, and and I'm assuming most people would do this, they would put up mementos and things like that around their bed just to remind us really of the loving gaze of God. Whether they're conscious of that or not, that's what they're doing. And so they would put up, you know, pictures or family or this or that. And this student asked a question, a specific question, and said, Kim, what are some things that you put up specifically? And, and Kim happened to have with her this, this card that she put up <clears throat> that meant a lot to her. And I, I asked if Kim would actually read that card to us. So, Kim, if you'll come up 
and, and she's going to help me preach this sermon. Uh, this, what, th- this card, listen very intently to what it has to say, because I think we all need to hear this. And this student in particular was familiar with the world of the bunk, the world of the bed from, from psych wards. And so she could really re- relate to this. But thank you, Kim, for, for sharing this. When she read it, I was like, well, there's our sermon for Sunday, basically. So <laughs> thank you. I had two reassure myself on a daily, hourly basis that that I, it was all okay. It was going to be okay. What am I? I am not someone's excuse for leaving me. I am not the life of every party. I am not the disbelief and worry when the sun begins to show, but I didn't. I am not the emptiness and loneliness at the bottom of every bottle. I am the lasting smile lines on the faces of those who love me. I am someone's daughter, sister, mother, and lover. I am the beginning of a success story. I am God's beloved child. I will recover. Okay, did, did you hear it? That line, the line that stunned me in my tracks is when she said, I am the lasting smile lines on the face of those who love me. That right there is, is Kim articulating, experiencing the divine gaze in someone else. It couldn't be said any more beautifully than that. She's, when, when you see the loving smile of someone for you, you what I'm, I'm saying literally, you're experiencing in that moment the loving gaze of God for you. God is telling you who you are. That's how we experience that in others. Now, you, you have to receive that. It is up to you to receive that for what it is, which can be hard for us. Uh, particularly if, you're not, if you were not mirrored well as a child, we, we need lots of those smiles. And this is where the church, you really, you can't, it's hard to experience that alone. And this is where the church comes into play. We are that mirror for one another. That's what we are. And, and all, of, all of us, hopefully together, can, can push back the curse uh, maybe of our childhood or whatnot. So we experience the, the divine gaze of God in others. Secondly, did you hear Kim said that she is the lasting smile lines on the face of that one who loves you? This is how we experience the divine gaze within ourselves. She's, she's going there with that, that line. She's applying it that way. We experience the divine gaze of God in ourselves. So the loving smile is a mirror telling you, reflecting who you really are, who you really are. So yes, you experience that from other people. You know, you also experience that from your pets, your, your loving pets, 
right? You know, when, when your dog, I, I, I can't really speak for cats, I've, I've never had one, but when, when your dog n- jumps up in your lap and nestles in, Morris likes to put his head right, right, just nestle it in. I mean, literally in that moment, you are experiencing the divine gaze of God. That dog, that pet, is a mirror showing you who you are within. So our pets do this for us. If you will receive it that way, which is, that's the way I think God intends us to receive it. That's why we love animals. You can certainly receive the divine gaze of God through animals. You can certainly receive it in creation itself. I mean, how many of you have, have witnessed a gorgeous sunset? The sunsets in Asheville are so amazing. They're breathtaking. And how many of you have been alone, perhaps, witnessing a gorgeous sunset? And for just a brief moment, it felt like that was for you. You ever felt that? It was. <laughs> it was for you. It is, so we experience the divine gaze of God. Creation becomes a mirror reflecting who we really are. That's what's happening. Creation, that gorgeous sunset in that moment is showing you who you are. Beloved child of God. We experience the divine gaze. We're caught up in it within ourselves in that moment. It is God's smile, smiling, as it were, at the God in you, reflecting who who we really are. So, yeah, in that sense, you are the lasting lines, smile lines on the face of that person who loves you. So, I want to stay here a minute. Particularly, how do we experience this more and rely upon it and trust it? How does it happen? How do we experience the divine gaze? What, what is the experience? What's happening? What is the divine gaze of God? And, and what, what are we experiencing it when we feel it? Well, two things. First, the divine gaze of, of God, and this is God, who God really is toward you, receives you exactly as you are without judgment, also without subtraction or addition. Like you, as you are right now. This, friends, do you know this is what we are yearning for? And we're chasing after this smile, as a friend of mine put it, in a thousand other places and faces. It's that we will keep chasing until we first find our rest in thee, as Augustine said. And then you will begin to hopefully connect the smiles in other people and other things, your pets, creation, back to the source because that's where they derive. In that moment, this is, this is because this is what we innately desire is for someone to look at us with, without us being less than what we are in that moment or more than what we are in that moment and responding with love. It's what we yearn for, and this is what Christ has come to give us. We are received exactly as we are, without subtraction and without addition, without judgment. So, when we receive that as it's intended from God, this is when we move into being transformed. Friends, this is what will transform you. This is what will change you. Your heart longs for it. When you find it in its proper source, you, you begin this 
transformation. You begin to change. You begin to experience healing. The very next step then in that moment to continue to experience the divine gaze of God is to return it back. We, we have to do this. In order to continue to, be, to experience this divine gaze, we receive it and then we return it back to God and we give it to others. When we do this, friends, we deep down inside will begin to experience joy, happiness, freedom. It has to be reciprocal. It has to be reciprocated. It comes from God. We give it back. We're caught up into the divine gaze in that way. We give it back to God. We give it to one another. And this is how, this is also why we need other people. In giving the divine gaze back to someone else, you inherently and internally begin to feel happy. <laughs> you begin to experience joy and freedom. This is, this is how we walk the road of this life, the journey of this life. When that person gives you a, a gaze and you return it back, or let's say, let's say someone's giving you a frown, and, and you instead respond with a loving smile. You see, we do this because we no longer ask the question whether, do they deserve it? That's not even, we're not even asking that question anymore because we don't deserve it. You see, that's not, that's not, it's not about performance. We are not defined by what we do, but by who we are in our very being. We are, we come from God. And so this is why we get off of that performance treadmill altogether and we give this gaze, this loving gaze to someone and we don't ask whether or not they deserve it because we remember, well, we didn't either, you see. And this is when in our life we move and this is what, this is what um, well, life is all about. It's really a lesson learning how to love. And we, we move from, from me to we. And as we make that journey, we as an individual begin to experience the transformation that this baby Jesus came to give, you see? The very incarnated divine gaze of God. So the Bible talks about turning to the Lord. This is what it means. We turn to the Lord, and this is, this is key. We're not, I'm afraid we're not always taught this in church. We turn to the Lord to receive the divine loving gaze of God. That's why we turn to the Lord. And when we receive it, the Bible tells us we no longer need a veil. Like in this life, we no longer need a veil. Remember Moses, I've talked about this before. There's that story in the Old Testament where Moses, when he met with, with God, Without a veil, he, he could meet with God because he found God to be safe, to be this, the source of love. But when Moses would leave God's presence, would come back to the people, and he would have to put a veil on for their protection, right? So he would put a veil over his face because his face was glowing with God's glory. And so he would protect the person looking at him by putting a veil over his face. Well, when we turn to the Lord and in faith receive that loving gaze and receive God, for who God really is, who is love, we no longer need someone to wear a veil for us. And so this is what Paul means when he says in 2 Corinthians three sixteen through 18, listen to this language, but whenever someone turns to the Lord and receives the divine gaze, the veil is taken away. 
Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. But we all, with unveiled faces, looking as in a mirror at the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. Did you hear that? It says when we look at the glory of the Lord, we are looking at a mirror of our true reflection. That's amazing. From glory, we are then being transformed from into the same image that we see. From glory to glory, for this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. You see, that mirror shows who we really are. We experience the divine gaze in others, and it shows us that we can also experience the divine gaze within ourselves because the glory of the Lord has has come in Christ. It, in fact, inhabits us in Christ. Okay, let me me end with this. I want to sort of walk us through a a little bit of a a story, an image, all right? This comes from uh, James Finley, uh, who's a, a, a Christian mystic today, and he talks about this, this, uh, this, this is a fictional account, but, but I want us to try to get into this story together. It certainly has a real meaning. And so this, this is how, this is what I want you to think of. Okay, Christmas is coming. Uh, imagine if you had, um, or, or imagine a, a girl, a little, a little girl, about, about Annie's age right there. Let's imagine that. Little girl who really wants a pony for Christmas, desperately wants a pony for Christmas. It's, a, it's her dream. And so she tells her parents one day about her dream, knowing that there's no way this can be fulfilled. She knows it's probably not possible for her to get a pony, but she tells her parents anyway, well, this, if I could have anything in the world, it would be this gift. And so Christmas morning rolls around, and Annie goes and sees underneath the tree, you know, there's some presents there, and opens some, a few presents, and it's great, and they're having a wonderful morning. And, and then her mom says, her guardian, let's say Molly, her foster mom, says, there's one more thing, actually. I almost forgot. There's one gift, one gift left. And it says, come with me. Takes her outside, walks outside, and there's the pony. Now think of that girl. Think of that scene. In that moment, who is the parent focusing on? What's happening with the parent? Well, in a way, the parent just, like, like in the parent's own perspective, the parent disappears and is fully lost in this smile, the joy of the daughter, the joy of this little girl, right? And the parent, and so in that sense, the parent goes away and is lost in the smile of this little girl. But it's not a loss. It's a gain, right? The two become one and it's a gain. So, so much so that when the parent thinks back to that Christmas morning, the parent doesn't think or the guardian doesn't think of, of, of loss, but instead thinks of only the joy of her daughter or his daughter, right? Gets caught up in, lost in the joy of their daughter. Okay, are you with me? You're in that scene? It's pure gain, not loss. Okay, this 
Friends, this is how God sees you. This is what God sees when God sees you, when God sees me. This is what Paul is telling us is a reality right now that one day will, will become our only experience. Faith will become sight. And what was true all, all along will be our experience only. This is what 1 Corinthians 13, 12 means. Now, two verses prior to this, we're told that when the perfect comes, this is what we will experience. The, the perfect, uh, it's the word telos in the Greek. When the end comes, or, or really just, it means the, the completion. When we are whole and complete, what was already true all along, we will now see. And it will be the same experience of that parent seeing the smile on the child's face and we'll look and all of a sudden, in a sense, we won't see God because we will be one <laughs> together. This is what Jesus means in John 17 when, when Jesus prays that we would be one as the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit are one. So let me, let me read that verse again. And hopefully, hopefully this, make, this verse makes sense to us even more now. This is our, our verse for our sermon. 1 Corinthians 13, 12. For now we see in a mirror dimly. You see, all the, all the mirrors we're looking at, it's true. They're dim. They're dark. Uh, they're, they're, the word's almost like a riddle. We don't quite see very clearly. But then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I will know fully just as I also have been fully known. Here's what James Finley says. This is, this is what it's like. When God created you, God gave you the gift of your life. It's all wrapped up and it takes you all of your life, however long it is, to unwrap it. That's what we're doing. We're unwrapping this gift, which is our very life. We never quite see it fully, though. He says, the moment of your death is the moment the lid comes off of the box. You're able to see fully what God has always seen. And just stunned by it and amazed by it, you look up at the face of God, and God's not there. God's lost in your face. And the lasting smile lines of your face. Now, I know this is mystical stuff right now, but I'm, I'm trying to be true to what Paul is teaching us here with this verse. That's amazing. I, I hope you have a sense of that this week, of who you really are. And I hope we look to others to see who we really are, and that we look within ourselves to see who we really are. Our experience when the perfect comes, when things are complete, will finally match, friends, what has always been true. And we can tap into that reality right now. We don't have to wait. By faith, we turn to the Lord. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for coming to give us what our heart is yearning for. It's, it's just not enough to be told that we're loved. It just isn't. It has to be made tangible. We have to experience it. It has to be embodied. And so, Christ, you, you come as the embodied, divine, loving gaze. Help us to see it. 
Help us to see it in one another, to give it for one another. Help us to experience it within ourselves too, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.